Welcome to a new episode of the Riyada podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Khurma. This month, we turn to the vibrant sector of EdTech in the MENA region. And for those of you who are not too familiar with the lingo, EdTech is simply the utilization of technology, apps, and other types of software for the purpose of teaching and learning. We've seen an uptick in EdTech platforms globally, including in the MENA region during the pandemic, as the world turned to online classrooms to deliver education to students and children worldwide. And our guest today is an EdTech entrepreneur who's been in the technology-based businesses for more than 13 years, Amru Hamaidan. Amru started Asafir, which translates to birds, a platform where kids can read quality content in the form of compelling stories in Arabic and for free. I'm yet to introduce Asafir to my own toddlers, but I can assure you that there is a dearth of original and quality Arabic content for children in the region. So thank you for leading the way, Amro, and welcome to the Riyadh podcast. Great. So I want to know more about why you decided to start Asafir. Tell us your story. So basically, as a parent, uh, I had the same challenges that many parents in this region have, which is uh, finding uh, great content uh, that is on par with the uh, Western kind of uh, uh, creative content for available for kids, like these illustrated uh, storybooks. And um, that still has the like Arabic kid in mind. Uh, that's why I started this. I had the, my kids growing up, and uh, I didn't find uh, uh, like these stories available for them. So I started by creating it uh, for them while we were uh, trying to sleep, and then bit by bit, uh, it turned into print, then digital, then sharing it with the other parents, and then finding that the teachers are using it in schools, and then it grew uh, organically from there. So tell us more about the turn towards the tech platform or when you went digital. Um, why did you choose to go digital? So it's basically the, the reach. If you're doing things the, uh, in the real world, um, you need real resources, you need uh, distributors, you, uh, you need middlemen, uh, which hinders you from reaching the largest segment. Um, and as we started the journey, uh, we started realizing these points bit by bit. Uh, because uh, I started like with a simple website, uh, and I used to do it like a side gig. Uh, and then, uh, like many people would reach out to us and say, uh, "Do you have it in print?" So we tried to print, and then we found out uh, that the whole ecosystem of like printed storybooks is broken in the Middle East. Um, mm. It doesn't make sense as an industry. And that's why I, I believe it's, it's not uh, flourishing. It's actually sh- shriveling at this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's why we, we went into the digital. Um, and then going uh, digital, uh, I found that people are using more and more uh, uh, of apps, and that was in 2014. So we created an app, and then we saw how much time kids are spending uh, reading on the app. 
and then we started improving on it bit by bit to make it more engaging to uh, uh, now because there's a lot of content so to make this recommendation engine uh, the leveling all of these things that's truly um fascinating to see that uh, well first of all it's unfortunate and tragic that um the publishing e ecosystem is um not where it should be in um, in the arab speaking world um but then you see more and more uses for technology and 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 that makes a lot of sense in in your turn towards an app um, I'm curious to know how you come up with the stories. Uh, do you have a team of um, writers or cr like creators? Um, what does it look like for a story to get on your app? So there's a very long process, uh, but a very quick one too. So um, a big part of um, a technology company is not just uh, the medium in which we deliver the, uh, the content uh, is also uh, the tools that we use uh, internally to get these stories from being uh, a word document to a fully uh, fascinating uh, story with illustrations, voiced over uh, these resources. So what happens is uh, we over the years, we built this pipeline where we have lots of authors who know us. Um, when we started, uh, it used to be rewriting the stories. And then uh, bit by bit, we got volunteers and then uh, we got professional authors. And, and now we have like a big pool of authors who know about us. We have a training program also uh, for authors uh, where if you want to become a children literature uh, author, you will have to go through that program. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, and then we, we have an editing team, we receive the scripts, we see if it fits our criteria. Uh, if it fits our criteria, we uh, send them back saying that it was accepted and then the process starts internally with our uh, editing team, uh, educational team, illustrators, the studio, the voiceover actors, all of these things. So that sounds like, um, uh, a, as you said, quite quite the process with so many different um, uh, people and actors involved. So this yeah. requires, I assume, also financial resources. So how did you get access to finance in order to um, basically run this um, this like mini ecosystem of yours with Asafir? Mm -hmm. So um, since we started, we've been bootstrapping till date. So, uh, and uh, today we are like, uh, are not limited by cash. We are, we are doing great as a business. Uh, but when we started, it was a big challenge. Um, so I was doing it, as I told you, as a side gig. So what happened is I used to put part of my salary into uh, Growing the business, mm -hmm. and uh, we had the help the help of a lot of volunteers too in the beginning. Uh, but then after a while, it doesn't work. Like this volunteer system doesn't work to to grow into the scale it is uh, in uh, today. Um, yeah, so we bootstrapped. We had some uh, angel investment, uh, small amounts. Uh, um, 
but mainly a bootstrapping awards helped along the way. So there was a period in time where we are still uh, not profitable and we still needed a lot of cash to keep growing. And I finished all my uh, savings and I actually um, quit my job and focused on this. Um, at oh. that point, uh, yeah, the awards from uh, like uh, startup competitions uh, got us going for like an additional period of time uh, until we uh, started bringing in revenue and bit by bit uh, became profitable. So, um, and, and you're currently based in the UAE. So I assume that the angel investments and the support that you received was within that ecosystem. Um, so can you actually walk us through what that entrepreneurial ecosystem looks like, particularly for technology-based companies like yours? So basically, we, the angel investment came from friends and family, uh, but the ecosystem in, in Dubai is great. Um, so one of the things that helped us also uh, is the initial setup where we were part of an incubator called N5. Um, and I uh, believe many of the uh, great startups in UAE are coming from uh, N5. I know a couple of them. Um, uh, within that incubator, uh, they get you connected with investors. Uh, they... Uh, get you introduced to other programs where it will maybe accelerate your technology if you're not a technology founder. Uh, it will introduce you to uh, um, financing, different things, uh, like even customers, mm -hmm. angel investors. So there were many events within that incubator that uh, helped many uh, other startups. Uh, for, for us, um, what I found really useful was the easy setup, the uh, space that you can work in, and the creative minds that are around. Uh, yeah. Having many startup founders around you, uh, first of all, uh, if, if, if you have um, uh, a belief level of 100, it raises it up to be 1,000. <laughs> yeah. Because one of these guys are going through so many hurdles trying to create something that doesn't exist today to make it a reality in a really short time. Mm -hmm. uh, so you learn a lot from it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you also like practical things, like daily things, like how to get uh, like um, a certain bank account or how to distribute your shares in a different way or how to get a setup in a certain way in terms of technology or customer service, whatever it is. So these daily problems, um, you actually can learn from each other in such an ecosystem, in an incubator. Mm -hmm. And like you said, because others are also facing similar challenges, you feel like you're part of a community, so it makes it a little bit easier, I assume? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, but still, it, the journey is always hard and, and you feel alone at, at times. Uh, yeah. But, it, but, but yeah, the camaraderie of it uh, mm -hmm. makes it a bit easier, yeah. So what are the, you know, hurdles and challenges that you faced that also others have faced within that community? Um, I think th these are typical challenges. So in the beginning, you're trying to find the product market fit. And many times you're uh, just uh, fumbling around trying to find out uh, what really adds value to, to your uh, target audience. 
And uh, at that point, um, it's a very um, unclear or fuzzy process uh, because you you need to try different things, but there is no clear metric where it says you tried enough or it's time to pivot. Uh, so you have to make up rules for yourself during that process. So that's extremely challenging, I think. Mm. But once you find the product market fit, then it becomes more about uh, like a real clear process on like how to get your finances in order, how to grow your sales, how to grow, to improve your product, all these kind of things, listening to feedback. Mm-hmm. So it's more sort of your personal journey and trying to move from one phase to another. Um, yeah. Then it is about the infrastructure itself. Um, so maybe I'm saying this because the infrastructure is great. Uh, so yeah. For us. Now, one of the challenges that uh, I found uh, personally was um, uh, when I started uh, the investment uh, scene, they, they didn't believe in technology as much. They wanted something like, uh, like even when we wanted funding as a non-profit, because I wanted to do this as a non-profit in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But then all of these social responsibility programs for big companies they didn't believe in digital or in uh, content. They believed in uh, brick and mortar, in building a school, building a playground, these yeah. kind of things. Yeah. Uh, because something tangible uh, makes more sense for them. Right. Uh, and then investors, uh, uh, education, I think, and, and uh, content is um, something that investors are not really bullish on. Uh, mm. Because it's a bit of a tricky area. Uh, and it's a, a long-term uh, kind of game. Although I think it's the most important uh, industry or sector that you need to invest in, that we need to invest in as the Arab world or the Middle East. Because yeah. this is the one where we're facing the biggest challenges. Yeah. Um, you can't create more startups without a better education system. You can't create more startups without people who are aspiring for a better life which you can create these people using like education, creative content that helps them have a better, more positive outlook uh, to the future rather than seeing the problems, seeing the bright side of it all. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, education is a key pillar of, um, of strengthening the entrepreneurship um, ecosystem. Um, I wanted to zoom in a little bit to understand how you are measuring your impact as a, as a feed. I mean, you have subscriptions, I assume, um, and you are able to monitor that. Um, but what about impact on, you know, the children that are exposed to your stories? So uh, there are different things. So uh, one, uh, we want to... Uh, like have the social impact and not just on the Arab world, but on the rest of the world. But my personal goal, uh, life goal, is to make knowledge free and attainable to the largest segment of people. So uh, we do that by creating free content that is available for everyone, for uh, them to uh, read and, and, and learn. And uh, as we are working, it's becoming available in more and more languages. So we did a project of 100 stories uh, that was each story was translated to 100 other languages. So they were done in Arabic and English. 
and then they get translated to French, Spanish, uh, Urdu, Hindi, Tamil. Uh, now uh, a project in Indonesia uh, doing it in Bahasa. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, many other languages. Uh, and then the uh, like the user base uh, for Arabic, uh, which is also something that we uh, uh, care about because we think that this is where we can add the most value. Um, so in, in terms of measuring the impact, uh, first of all, yeah, uh, as you said, the number of users is, is the first metric. Mm -hmm. But then also because we are working with schools, uh, we've built a reporting system and an analytics system specifically for uh, measuring progress in literacy skills. So uh, we have these uh, visual uh, charts and uh, um, uh, back-end system that tells the teachers whether their students are reading on level or below or above, um, that tells them what kind of skills are they mastering, what kind of skills they're lacking on. Um, uh, and, and technology helps a lot with, with all of this because mm -hmm. uh, one of the challenges I think in the education sector is the teachers are not uh, always well qualified to uh, tackle the challenges that they're given. Uh, and mm. then when you have a, a group of specialists uh, on your team uh, that creates uh, this educational content uh, aligns with the learning objectives that are sought uh, after uh, by uh, uh, the, the standards that the governments are putting. Um, and then uh, you have a creative team that makes it uh, engaging and more fun. Then you can help uh, have a much better impact. Now. Uh, Another layer of it is anecdotal evidence. So we get yeah. so many letters from uh, users, whether they're mothers, whether they're the kids themselves, uh, whether they're the teachers. Um, and we see it also in the reports uh, that we have on the platform. Yeah, I, I, I particularly like the anecdotal one because um, it's basically another form of storytelling which is what yeah. you are doing, right? And it's uh, definitely much more impact, impactful um, to hear feedback from parents and other users. And that gets me to the question of access. Um, uh, I have my colleague, Alex Farley, who's published a paper on the digital divide in the MENA region. And, um, you know, those who have access to technology um, are amongst the privileged ones. Those who have access to probably your app being, you know, used in schools are also at a, you know, in a different probably socioeconomic segment. They're even and on a more premium level. More <laughs> premium level, yeah. And so, how how do you plan, um, especially given your objective or your purpose behind this? How do you plan to um, make this accessible and be part of the solution? To, um, to try to bridge that digital divide, but particularly given that, you know, education is being utilized more and more um, often and more frequently, um, basically through digital platform. Yeah, so there are multiple things that we're doing. Some things are short term and other things uh, longer term. So in the short term, we partner with uh, governments when they need our help, and we provide them with the content for print. So all of the content that we have is also available in print um, for certain parts of the world that they know for sure 
that they can't solve this uh, digital divide in the time that we need to improve the literacy education. So in Morocco, we're working with the government there. They're printing our books uh, and we give it for them uh, to them for free uh, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. distribute uh, to the students there. Um, that's one. In Indonesia, it's the same. So it's print content. So print content is just, um, I think, a, a short-term uh, solution. On the long term, we're working with uh, uh, partners like um, uh, devices, uh, manufacturers like Samsung, like uh, uh, other uh, manufacturers to Google to um, try to get a cheap setup where the tools and the connection is there because that's also the challenge. So it's not just having a digital device that you can uh, view the content on, but also being connected to the internet, which I think is, yeah. is uh, something in, 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 I think in a 10 years time, or maybe uh, I'm being a bit pessimistic, it should be considered a human right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, absolutely. Not having access to, to, to the rest of the world is, is, is a big hurdle uh, that I don't think uh, individuals can uh, um, go over or can uh, succeed in, in, in crossing on their own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, well, uh, it seems that you have a good plan for, for both the short term um, and long term. I want to ask you uh, whether you have competitors um, that have emerged since you've launched uh, Asafir. Yeah, so whenever there's an opportunity, uh, you will find that uh, many people will, will go after that. And especially when you prove that there is something there. So we have we have uh, a good number of people who started doing something similar, um, which is a really good sign. Uh, because I think the gap is so wide uh, that one company will not be able to, to uh, uh, cover it. And no matter how big you grow, uh, it's like... Uh, Think of it this way, uh, when you're saying that uh, there's only one publishing uh, house for 370 million uh, people, mm-hmm, it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. So uh, for us, we are growing, we are dealing with so many publishing houses, uh, bringing their books onto the platform too. Uh, but at the same time, I think there's a big gap that many businesses will uh, um, actually fit in to try and cover Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's certainly a good sign. Um, and uh, uh, I think, uh, as you said, um, you cannot cover all of it. And so you will have also more diversity, which is yeah. um, also um, a plus so that um, all the different actors are able to cross-pollinate and learn from uh, from each other. Um, yeah. and, uh, can, I, can I add one more point? Of course, of course. Yeah. One other uh, point is that competition sharpen, helps you sharpen your tools. Yeah. So whenever you you find that uh, there are certain areas that you can uh, be better in, this is the best way to highlight that is if you have a competitor who does it better, right? So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Plus the diversity of opinion because you have some more conservative uh, audience that is looking for more conservative content, and you have. Uh, uh, more, uh, say, progressive uh, audience that is looking for more progressive content. So you need to have different uh, people with different perspectives providing this kind of content. You can't have just uh, one uh, view that uh, covers uh, everybody. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, Amro, uh, you've been doing this for a number of years now. Um, I'm sure there are lots of uh, lessons learned that um, that you could perhaps share with our audience, particularly, you know, uh, maybe nuggets of advice that you can give to budding entrepreneurs who are still hesitating to start their own businesses um, or, you know, have ideas and are hesitant to share them. So what would you tell these entrepreneurs and um, uh, what are the main lessons learned? So the first lesson I, I would share is look around you. There are many things that could be better today. And uh, each uh, one thing that you find uh, the flow in is an opportunity to start a business. And, and I have these ideas all the time, but and it's really hard for me to just push myself to stay focused. Just, I want to do this. This is so important. Although I see like other small opportunities where you can make an improvement. Uh, so that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is ideas on their own are worth nothing. It's all about execution today. If you think that you have a unique idea, I um, I would uh, advise you to go and Google it. You will find that there are maybe 20 or 30 other people do, trying to do the same thing. So it's all about execution. Um, the third thing is uh, keep going until it works. Uh, along the way, you will have so many people around you, even the closest ones uh, to you, like your uh, family, your friends, uh, your colleagues that will tell you it will not work or this is not working. Uh, you need to keep going until it works. Uh, and if you go with that mentality that uh, um, you will keep pushing until it works and there is no uh, limiting factors where I've seen some people who start by saying, oh, I can't find financing without financing. I can't uh, grow this business then these guys, I know for sure that they will not be there in a year's time. Uh, or they'll say, oh, the people don't care about this or don't care about that, uh, which is the product that they're trying to provide, then uh, I know for sure they'll not be there. So you need to have that belief uh, within you that you'll keep going until it works. Um, and if you have that, I, I think it will uh, uh, happen. And then be open to feedback, but don't uh, do everything that people tell you. So listening to feedback is a skill um, that I think every entrepreneur needs to to learn. And uh, it's not just listening to what your customer is saying and then doing it exactly, but understanding the underlying uh, need uh, mm-hmm. in what they're saying. And then interpreting it into a service that works for them, uh, but at the same time has a like a working business model that uh, uh, can grow, that can scale, uh, because what the customer thinks and what uh, reality is are two different things. Wow, thank you. That was very thoughtful, um, uh, really um, useful um, uh, advice, I think, for all budding entrepreneurs. Um, it is quite challenging to maintain this type of you know, growth mindset throughout um, challenges. Uh, but I know that that's at the heart of the work that you're doing to instill this mindset for um, 
uh, children, Arabic-speaking children, and now it seems in other languages as well. So um, good luck to you on the rest of the journey with Asafir, and uh, thank you so much for joining us today on the Riyadh podcast, Hamidou. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa, for your time and uh, for this nice conversation. This podcast is funded by a grant from the United States Department of State. The opinions, findings, and conclusions of this podcast are those of our guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the United States Department of State.